uh, throat sounds like it's a frog in here, but uh, that's all right. I think most of the people in here probably have the same issue. But we're going to go to the Lord this morning, and uh, if you please stand, we'll uh, do our call to worship song just over the glory land, and uh, after that, we'll have scripture and prayer.
Father, we ask you to bless this offering, bless those that have to give and those that do not. Continue to provide for us and help us, Lord, to do what you would have us to do. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Take a couple minutes and see everybody and get a chance to shake their hand as we do uh, meet and greet. said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. The uh, No place I'd rather be. I know if you got all this junk going on, a lot of you say, well, I, I sure would feel nice if I could just stay home and stay in bed. Well, maybe if you have to, you have to, but uh, I feel better when I come to the house of the Lord. Walk in the door, I started feeling better as soon as I walked in the door this morning. And uh, Carol and I talked about it yesterday, I said, you know, if I call Jonathan right now, and say, uh, Carol and I ain't going to make it this morning. I'm going like, I don't think they can get a plane here fast enough. So uh, uh, the Lord's been good to me. He's touched me and watched over me. And uh, medicine's good. does great things. Uh, I'm going to read some scripture and have some prayer this morning. And then Brother Jimmy's going to come and bless us in song. And uh, praise ye the Lord on Psalms 146. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, will I praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have any being. Put not your trust in princes nor in the Son of Man in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, he returneth to his earth, and that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is the Lord his God, which made heaven and earth, the sea, and all that therein, <coughs> which keepeth truth forever, which 
executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry, the Lord loose the prisoners. The Lord open the eyes of the blind, the Lord raiseth them that are bowed down, the Lord loveth the righteous. The Lord perceiveth, no, persevered the strangers, preserveth the strangers. I'll get it right in a minute. He relieved the fatherless and widows, but the way of the wicked he turned aside upside down. The Lord shall reign forever, even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. I know this morning, Sunday school class, we start the book of James. We're going to be doing that for the next five weeks or four weeks after this. And uh, he said, you know, you're going to be tried, but take joy in it. And uh, somebody this morning said, joy in being tried. I said, uh, yeah, because the Lord's going to get you through it. The Lord's been good. We have had a lot of trials this week. I uh, had several people call uh, Sister Lila and her husband both who uh, got this stuff and they're not feeling very well. Uh, uh, Sister Barnes uh, started feeling bad yesterday. She called. She might be able to make it. James is here, praise the Lord, but I know that James is in pain and we need to lift him up in prayer and continue to pray for him. Uh, pray for Carolina and others that are here. Raise your hand if you've got all this junk. over you and keep you because he can and the fact that you came here uh, he'll honor that we love the Lord and we want to do everything he wants us to do any other prayer requests this morning before I go to the Lord ah your aunt's son's father-in-law has been sent home with hospice we'd like to remember him and uh, Lord lift him up and comfort him and do uh, what his will is in that life Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise you, Lord, for this opportunity to come before you in prayer. Lord, we thank you for your many blessings. We thank you for the touch that you've provided for each of us. Lord, we thank you for the strength that you've given to those, Lord, who come here this morning. Lord, we pray that you will continue to lift up and keep those that are in need. We pray that you will be by their bedside for those that are ill. Provide comfort and strength to those that are on their deathbed. I pray you'll be with Terry, Lord, with Carol's brother, who's uh, just finished surgery. Continue to abide with him. Be with this man who's been sent home with hospice, Lord. I know that you can be there and comfort them. Touch each of them. Be with James this morning, Lord. I pray that you will touch his body, make him every bit whole. Be with Sister Ann, Lord. I pray you will be with her and keep her and lift her up and strengthen her. Lord, with each of us, Lord, I pray you will continue to bless. Be with Brother this morning as he delivers the message, Lord. Pray that you will give us the words that you would have us to hear, that we can use them for thy glory this week. We ask all of this in Jesus' holy precious name. Amen. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Randy. Amen. Worship with me today. That's man, our brother R was gonna be here and I was supposed to sing. I know he likes this song and I hope the Lord will bless him. Come too far to look back again. There is nothing behind me. All the treasures I used to love have all faded from view. There's a new day ahead. Yeah. 
Keep 
Just reach out and claim it. 
man needs no introduction. This time I'd like to turn the podium over to Brother Arden, former pastor of this church. Appreciate the opportunity to be with you this morning and try to preach just a little. I appreciate Brother Jonathan and his wife and family, and I hope they have a good time and come back refreshed and more eager to preach for God than he's ever been. Because we're living in perilous times and living close to the end. If you would, you have it in your Bible in Luke chapter 16, beginning with verse 19. Good to have my family with us today. I appreciate them and love them been good to me and, and I'm praying that the Lord would help us to all live just a little closer to him and be ready for his coming. In verse 19, and there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desired to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died, and was carried by angels into Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell he lifted up his eyes, being in torment, and seeing Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. For I am tormented in these flames, this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember, you're going to remember, that thou in thy lifetime received thy good things, and Lazarus likewise evil things. But now he's comforted, and thou art tormented. And besides all this, between us and you, there's a great gulf fixed, 
so that they that would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou would send him to my father's house. You won't, if you go there, you won't want nobody else to come. It's an awful place. For I have five brothers, that he may testify to them, lest they also come unto this place of torment. And Abraham said unto him, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they would repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither would they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. I'd like for you to pray with us this morning. I always feel I need God's presence. But I know I need a double touch of His Spirit here this morning to try to preach this message in the right manner so that it would stir our hearts and stir our soul. I'm going to ask my wife, if she would, to take us to the Lord in prayer. Say, if you would. be seated. I'd like to use for a thought the everlasting home of the doomed. It's an old message. I remember the first time I ever tried to preach it about 40 years ago. It hadn't changed. Times have changed. People's thoughts have changed. And they swept a lot aside that they ought to hold on to in order to be saved in the end. And we're going to get closer and closer 
people are to the world and further and further away from God because it's the Word of God. The Bible tells us that these things, people ask you, why, preacher, you preach like you do? Why this morning do you preach on hell? Because it's an elected message. Because the people won't accept it. Especially a lot of times from the pastor. But see, I'm not a pastor now. I can preach to you and walk out the door and tell you just like it is, not that I didn't try to when I was pastoring, but I promised God two months ago when I got where I couldn't pray, couldn't preach, I said, God, if you'll let me preach again, I won't be worried about looking at people what they think. I'll tell them just like it is. I preached the boldest I've ever preached in my life about two weeks ago. And I'm going to do the same thing today. If God will help me. And I know he will because he's unpromised me sitting right over there. I'm with you. Preach. Don't worry about what they think because I'm going to hold you accountable for what you tell them. So hold on to me. Those of you that are old in this way, please pray for me. Why do we preach on hell? We must preach on hell because it's the Bible. We preach a lot of stuff from the pulpits anymore are not really from the Bible. We preach for people to agree with you, to be helped in certain ways. But that's not as good as it could be. We must preach on hell because Christians drift away. We don't have revivals anymore because people don't see the need to be revived. They see the needs to try to mend their uh, marriage relationships and etc. But they seldom see their need to renew their relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you don't keep renewing your relationship with God as a Christian, you're going to die and go to a devil's hell and be lost. Amen. Oh, my. Help me, Lord. We must preach on hell because we need to warn sinners that they've got an appointment at death. They're going to stand before God. They're not going to stand before the church. 
They're not going to stand before the preacher. What they do in secret, the preacher don't know unless he prays enough that God reveals it to him. And then he don't know like God knows because some things God won't tell the preacher that he'll tell you. That if he told the preacher it might hurt you on after you come closer and back into your relationship with God. We need to do these things, but most don't. So we need to warn them. David said there's but a step. Between me and death, I could drop dead before I leave this pulpit this morning. If I don't obey God and do what God says to do, I might be saved, but I'll give an answer to God for disobedience unto God. And we need to learn. I'd like to talk just a little bit. Now, I know this morning it'll take a little time, and and sometimes uh, I was talking to someone recently, and they said, talking about introduction, said you need to give them the introduction in the morning and give them the sermon tonight. But I'm gonna try to get through this today because some of you I won't see tonight. Listen. Jesus said, for all the people that's born into the world, you're born in sin. Jesus was very bold. He told some in John, he says, ye are of your father, the devil. He didn't cut around like preachers do and cut up. He went straight to the point. He told them it was the right way and there's a wrong way. It's easier for me to preach to you and tell you how goody good you are, but Jesus very seldom patted his people on the back. Amen. He told them the errors of their way. That's what a preacher is supposed to do. He's to tell you and look at you, and if you're erring in the way that you are living, whether it's in the way you dress, the way you talk, the way you treat other people, he ought to be Christian and preacher enough to look you straight in the face and tell you what you're doing is a sin or abomination in the sight of God. Amen. So we, we need to tell people. Jesus did. I've never in my life in a preaching one sermon to one congregation tell them five times and look them straight in the face and say, you're a bunch of hypocrites. For what you're not doing and the things that you're doing that you ought not to do. Amen. A preacher that won't do that is not worth his salt. He may build a congregation, but he'll build a congregation of worldly people that'll never see God at peace. Listen. Also, he tells us, 
that there is a way in John for us to be received of God. The Bible says, and Jesus is talking here, as many as received him gave he power to become the sons of God. Now, this is a Baptist sort of outline I got here. I got it from a Baptist preacher many, many years ago. And the, the clause in his, his preaching was I, I couldn't completely go along with it. He says, after you're saved, you won't never have to worry about going to hell. And I made a little note. I don't agree with it. You get saved, you've got to do like Brother James was teaching us in the classroom this morning. You've got to crucify the flesh. And you've got to do it on a daily basis. You can't do it 20 years ago and, and just go on living because sin's going to rise up in you and you because you're Adam nature. You've got two natures in you. When Paul said, when I would do good, evil is present. Evil is always present with me, Melody. He's always trying to slip into my life. I've got to rebuke him in not my name, but in the name of Jesus Christ and the Word of God that will stand forever because he said, heaven and earth will pass away, but my Word will stand forever. Not one jot or one tiller will pass from one generation to another generation. I've seen the world change. The church world change. Everything's all right. Everybody's all right. The preacher can pray a prayer over them. He can even do their repenting almost for them today. But most of them come and just say a prayer. With no feeling and no change. Listen, God wants us to be about the Father's business. He wants us to tell us like it is. They are the sons of God that have come and committed themselves to God and prayed a prayer themselves of repentance and asked God to forgive them. I don't know about you. When you got saved, nobody didn't have to tell me how to pray. I'd been around church. Hallelujah. I thank God they prayed for me and around me. But I've done my own repenting. And every man has to do their own repenting before God. I can't do your repenting. Hallelujah. You say, preacher, I don't agree with you. You ought to agree with me. He says we have to confess our faults. You have to ask God to forgive you. When I went down to get for the Lord to save me, when I would get through repenting for one sin, God would bring another to mind. I was there a while, Melody, because... I lived a worldly and sinful life. But so do you. 
You might not have drunk and hang around liquor stills and things like that, but you was a cold-hearted sinner and you were on your way to hell and you needed to repent and ask God to come into your heart and change your life. My, my, if I don't go on, it'll have to be a three-part sermon. You know what? People don't never really talk about hell biblically. I want to give you a little description of hell. We don't hardly hear it no more, but if you went to church when I was coming up three or four times, you'd definitely hear a good definition of it. But we're scared to say it. We're scared to run our kids off. I'm scared if we don't, we're going to let them dry, die and go to a devil's hell. Listen, let me tell you something about what hell looks like. The Bible says, as we look at it for a minute, and it gives us some descriptions of it, it's called a lake of fire. It's a bottomless pit. It's a horrible tempest. It's a devouring fire. It's a place of sorrow. It's a place of weeping. It's a place of wailing. It's a place where it's out of darkness. We don't hear these things preached much from the pulpit. You say, preacher, you're trying to scare me in the salvation. No, if I was, could scare you in the salvation, somebody could scare you out of it. Amen. But if you get a good dose of it, nobody can't scare you out of your, what you know hell's like. You're not scared to tell people what it's like. We find also it's a place where men have no rest. And women. And boys and girls. There won't be no rest. There won't be any rest for you at all. There's a place where it's tormented. And you're tormented with fire and brimstone. It's a place of fire that never shall be quenched. But don't preach on it in the church. You'll run my people off. That's why I'm telling you I'm an evangelist this morning. <laughs> Don't let what I say run you off. you got a good pastor. But let me tell you what's so bad about this place. The Bible says it's a place of separation. What kind of separation is it, preacher? It's a separation from God. It was terrible the day that my mom died. I was separated from her. I looked to see her again. But I'm going to tell you, if I get separated from God, I'll not only never see her again, but I'll never see God Almighty at peace again. Who could she go? 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 Who could she
Listen, friend, it's a place of unsatisfied desire. People come to church today, and they never get their feathers ruffled. When I was a young evangelist and a young pastor, people told me you ought not to ruffle up the people so much. The cat's fur. I told one, I said, that cat needs to turn around. So me and him will be going and rubbing in the same way. I'm not here to rub your feathers in the way that you would like them. I'm here to uncomfortable you. Make you uncomfortable. Make you stop and think. Where are you headed? Why are you headed to heaven? Or why are you going to hell? Why are you going to be separated from God? Or why are you going to live with God forever? Oh, God. Hallelujah. It's a place of vile companions. You know how much you hate to be around people that's cussing and swearing and lying? I know good people that are not Christians. They won't put up with it in their home. They won't stay around it. But Christians, they don't want to hurt nobody's feelings. You better wake up. The devil's getting a hold on you. It's a place of hopelessness. It's a place of suffering. It's a place of memory. If you go to hell, you'll remember what I'm telling you today. And you'll remember it for eternity. You can change the way you live today. Or you can go right on and go out into that outer darkness. See, God's not going to accept you because mom and dad live right. God's not going to accept you because you go to the church of God. God's going to accept you because you've accepted Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. You can look at me sort of funny if you want to, but I know where I am. I know who's my Savior, and I know who's my Lord. I know who I'm preaching for today. I'm not preaching to satisfy me. It broke my heart over there a while ago when I thought about God, what shall you lay on my heart? I don't know how to preach it by myself. Melody, he touched my soul and says, you're not by yourself. I'm right here with you. 
in the person of the third person of the Trinity. He'll instruct you. He'll guide you. You're not your own. You've been bought with a price. I called you to preach the truth to an erring world that's getting deeper and deeper out in sin, the church. <laughs> and he said if he didn't soon come, the very elect would be deceived if it was possible. I've traveled around some in the last six months. I hadn't seen a church that was living and doing like there was 40 years ago. But God hadn't changed, Brother Jimmy. The preachers have changed. The Christians have changed. The deacons have changed. And we'll even preach one thing and live another thing. But what you do in secret, God will bring out into the light. Because he's not a God of the darkness. He's a God of the day. Hallelujah. The places are rampant and raging around us. You know why the nightclubs and such is raging tonight and today. And the people, women are dressing like they're strip teasers. I saw one on advertisement the other day. I don't know what was what 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 the advertisement really was all about, because I was trying to find something on the TV. And we've been on the women so long, and brother, I saw one of the horrible sights I'd ever saw. I saw a man. About 325 pounds. Come out, come out with some kind of garment on him, maybe like a house coat. And directly he stripped it off. And he was in a bikini. <laughs> Before you women laugh at that, you better do some fence mending of your own. I'm not here to play patty cakes with you this morning. And if you allow me to preach tonight, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to play with you tonight. I'm here to tell you, Jesus Christ is looking for a bride. And he's not looking for one that's hanging on to the world with one hand and got trying to hang on to God with the other. When a man goes out, if he's decent, he's not going to look for a wife that's hanging on to somebody else. Or a woman's not going out trying to find a man that's hanging on to somebody else and try to change him. The Lord's going to try to change us and dress us up while we're down here in the world. And so we got to look like, talk like, act like, be like Jesus Christ. Oh, my, I can get out my introduction this morning. But I want to tell you, God! It's telling us to quit be sly, quit being slack in our lives. 
People think today if I come to church and pay my tithes, I'm all right. But if you don't come to church expecting God to show up, God to convict sinner, God to touch your heart, God to change you, God to strengthen you, God to hold up your heart, God to make you a giant in the sight of the world and make you say, I know in whom I have believed and I am persuaded and he's able. Keep that that I've committed unto him against that day. You say, preacher, do you ever fall every day of my life? I repent. For I put my foot on the floor. I say, God, if I've sinned in my thoughts. Because you know what? He says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. If I've, I've thought wrong. I've let evil, even in my dreams, forgive me. Because I'm almost 80 years old. My time's running out. I want to get closer to this garment of the Son of God. I want to get buried in the Word. I want to live the Word, paint the Word, preach the Word. Because I'm going to soon go home. But I want to be like Peter. Peter said, I know after my departure. I'm not Peter now. But I know after the departure of this generation, according to the Bible, there's going to be a great falling away. Not maybe in church attendance, but unreal born again believers. Oh, God. Oh, my. God, help me. God, help me. Listen. I don't have but about another 30 minutes. And you'll be wanting lunch. I got to move on. It's not easy for you to go to hell. I've heard, I've heard Christians say, it's easy to go to hell. And in one sense it is, you ain't got to do nothing but just keep on living like you was born. Because you was born in sin. But on the other hand, it's not easy to go to hell. You say, oh, preacher, it's not easy to go to heaven. Yeah, it is if you got your heart right. And you become crucified with Christ. Therefore, before you can go to hell, you've got to climb over some history of some church people that lived a godly life, told you the truth, whether you liked it or not. You had to climb over Bible teaching. Like you heard some this morning. You have to climb over godly singing like you heard and felt this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. God makes it hard for a sinner to come to church and go to hell. 
Amen. Hallelujah. And you have to go over your conscience. You have to go against what you really know is real. There's a God. No matter how much scientists come in and claim. Tell us we come from apes and evolved from fishes and etc. And you have to go over your better judgment. And you have to climb over the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. And you have to crawl over the provinces of God that's been so merciful and kind unto you. And finally, you've got to crawl over the cross and trample the blood of Christ under your feet. And it'll make you unworthy to spend eternity with God. You won't have a chance. Your chances will be run out. My, my, my. When does hell begin? I've got six pages, and I'm going to try to get at least three of them. When does hell begin? It begins at a Christless life. Without Christ, your soul immediately enters into suffering when you die. Time as you die, you go into suffering. But you don't go in to the fullness of it. God's got a place prepared. It was prepared for the devil and his angels, but you're going to go there if you don't know Christ. Hallelujah. You won't receive the full measure of your suffering at that time. This means that until all the records are kept, all the records, preacher, even after I got saved or before I got saved, every word you've ever spoken, every deed you've ever done, God won't remember it against you for your salvation. But when you stand before the white throne judgment of God, you're going to give an answer for every sin you ever committed from the time that you come to the age of accountability. That you stand before the white throne judgment. I've got to stop here and deviate just a little bit. But not only will the sinner give an account for every deed he's ever done from birth until he dies. But every Christian, hallelujah, you're going to give an account of every deed you've ever done. Before you got saved, after you got saved, 
People preach today, everything in the past, it won't be remembered against you no more. It won't be remembered against you no more for salvation, but it'll be remembered against you when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. He said everything, every word you've ever spoken, every deed you've ever done, you're going to be weighed in the balances. What are you going to be judged for? You're not going to be judged to see if you saved. You're going to be judged as your goods going to weigh against the bad. Sister Bueller, I ought to be scratching day and night because I doubt if I've got as much good, as much harm as I did before I got saved. But I'm going to answer for them. You are too. Preachers don't preach it, but it's in the book. Look it up. You say, oh, it's in the past. I don't have to worry about it. It's under the blood. Yes, it's under the blood. But you're going to be judged for your reward, not for your salvation. I got a hush, ain't I? We don't hear that kind of preaching no more. We heard it when I was coming up. That's why people say, well, I I sinned a little bit. I I went to the Lord and I've repented and I won't ever have to face it again. You'll face it again. Brother Jimmy, all those lies you told back then, all those stories you told back then, God's got a record. says, and when the books was open and another book was open, the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the book. I've got some of his eyebrows. You're looking over your glasses at me. But you better get down that by that book and dust, knock the dust off of it and read it from page to page. It's not going to be a a fun day for most people when they stand before just the judgment seat of Christ. I got to hang here because I know you don't agree with me. Amen. But he says every word, every deed you've done, you're going to answer. Whether it's good, you remember that part, don't you? Whether it's good or whether it's bad. See, God forgive me of drinking and smoking. He forgive me of fooling around with bootleggers, homongers. But one day, he's going to tell me, Henry, you got to give an account for it. You didn't do nothing but help tote the sugar and build the stills, but I'm going to hold you accountable. I forgive you. I'm going to take you into heaven. 
but it'll determine what kind of position you hold in eternity. <laughs> oh, my. Oh, my. Preacher, I didn't know that. That's what's wrong with the world and the church world today. The preachers are not telling you the whole truth. They're just telling you what you want to get. Want to make you feel good, make you feel holy, make you feel righteous. And when they're not holy and they're not righteous, except by the grace of God. And I want me to preach these other four pages. Because I keep getting seriouser and seriouser and seriouser for the church. You'll hear preaching like this and you'll just cut it off. I'll guarantee you one thing. If you make it to heaven, My wife's uncle used to sing a song. Where will you be a million years from now? you're a sinner and you don't know God and you haven't repented of your sin and publicly confessed. It's one thing to repent but you've got to publicly confess that you know Jesus Christ before people that He is the Son of God and if you don't He said if you deny me I'll deny you. How many of you Christians this morning believe what I preach to you? How long has it been since you prayed through? I'm not talking about a minute prayer. I'm talking about when you agonize with God and tell Him your faults. Tell Him your secret sins that nobody don't know about but you and Him. Why do I need to do that, preacher? Because it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. It's some little things that'll keep you out of the blessings of God. I might not know about them. I don't want you to confess your faults to mine or to me. Because I'm not going to confess mine to you. But there's an altar down here and some Christians ought to be here first. I'm going to look at you and tell you plainly. If you don't come to this altar and talk to God about your Christian life, you're going to live a hypocritical life. 
Your life ain't worth salt. You're not willing to seek God. You're not willing to hold up God. You'll sing till your voice goes out. Because it's easy to sing. But you won't come and agonize with God for a revival. And I'm going to tell you, your church will be just like the rest of them. It'll dry up if men and women don't learn to pray and seek God. This altar's open for you. If you sit on your pew, you're telling me I'm righteous and I'm holy. I don't need to pray. But I'm going to leave it between you and God. If you're a sinner, you need to come and give your heart to the Lord and ask the Lord to come into your heart. Is there anybody here that would like to pray? I don't believe in prolonging an altar service. You either know you need to and you respond or you sit there and dry up like a last year's burden, bird nest. Which will it be? You can't eat yesterday's manna right on and live on it and survive. Do you want to come and talk to him about your own soul, your own life, your own family that's going to die and go to hell? Hallelujah. If you're a sinner, would you come? We'll be glad to pray with you. You need God. You need God. You need God. The church needs God. You can be stubborn if you want to. You can rebel against the Word of God if you want to. But you'll answer to God somewhere in eternity. Our Father... In the name of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, I ask you for your blessings on these people. I can't pray for them, Lord, all that needs to be prayed. They have to do their own praying and seeking the face of God. They need to learn how to pray and to teach others how to pray. Because this is your house. And it's a house of prayer. Help us, Lord. Help us today. Help the sinner. Help the borderline. Come face to face with the realities of their own life. With God. And confess their sin. With shame before you. Monday. Do them Hallelujah. 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 I know, Lord. Your people need to humble themselves and pray. 
and seek your face. Turn from this new style of religion and find salvation that will purify the heart and the soul and the body. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, have your way. I don't ever want to quench the spirit. If anybody else has a need, they want to come down and pray again. Thank you, Lord, for the words you've given us today. The truth he has in his words. I don't know about you, but when I was raised, I heard more of Brother Art preaching than I heard other stuff. Of course, now I'm probably closer to his age than I am to a lot of yours. So. But we thank the Lord for his word. We thank the Lord for his truth. And if you get into the word yourself, you'll find out that the truth is there. A lot of people just don't want to read it. So, And it's surprising that in my Sunday school class this morning, some of the same words you used in your sermon were in the Sunday school class brought up by different people covering what the Lord helps us to do and the temptations that we have to face and, and the way the Lord helps us get through them. And he is there for us. Thank you, Brother Art. We look forward to hearing from you tonight. Uh, please stand. Kind Heavenly Father, we do thank you and praise your holy name for this opportunity to be before you, Lord, hearing your word. We thank you, Lord, for the shepherd you've given us to give us the word of praise you will continue.
thy glory and for the glory of thy kingdom. Help us to come back at the appointed hour. We ask all of these things in Jesus' holy and precious name. Amen.